0: Hey guys, and welcome to a special edition of the Money Podcast. This one's called Money News You Will Really Use. The concept... It's simple enough. We subscribe to tons of financial publications, and every month we read hundreds of articles. Then once every couple of weeks, we give you the highlights to bring you up to speed on the important news that affects your money. Think of it as an investor's almanac. In part one of today's show, we're going to discuss where we are now and what's happened in the markets this month. In part two, we're going to go over important news stories. And in part three, we'll go over recent investments that three of us have made, then time allowing We'll answer a listener question or two. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson. My co-host, as usual, is the miraculous Miranda Marquette. Say hi,
1: Miranda. Hi, Miranda. (laughs)
0: Listening in and sometimes contributing is producer, novice investor, and awesome dude, Aaron Freeman. Say hi, Aaron. Hi, Miranda. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get the ball rolling, but first, an important disclaimer. We're going to discuss specific investments in this show, including things we've personally invested in, but these are not recommendations. Because what's right for us may not be right for you. Before you invest in anything, you got to do your own research. You got to make your own decisions. Okay, let's get back to the news. Let's start with where we are now and where we've been this month. And and I have to begin by saying we usually we should have had a show at the very end of December talking about the year uh, that we just went through. We did not have that because I was sick. I had COVID, and so now we're basically in the middle of January, it's January the 13th, as I speak. Um, so we did not cover the end of the year so let, let me do that real quick so last year these, the the uh, stock market dow was up 19% nasdaq was up 21% the russell 2000 little little stocks were up 14% oil rose 50% last year the 10 year treasury bond up 65% that is interest rates on the 10 year treasury bond rose 65% last year so it was a really good year for stocks uh, the the S the and P five hundred was up twenty seven percent last year, so really really good year for stocks. Uh, and this year might not be as good, but but let's go ahead and cover... Oh, as a matter of fact, okay. So far in January, bring up to date. So so far from the first to the thirteenth, so we're we're in the middle of the market session uh, on January thirteenth. The Dow is down 012 percent so far this year. The Nasdaq down. percent four and a half percent so far this year the russell 2000 your small stocks down 2.7 percent so far this year oil prices up nine percent this year the 10-year treasury bond is now at 1.723 percent as i speak that makes that means interest rates have gone up another nine percent so far this year so Compared to what we did in twenty twenty one so far, this year's looking a little dismal. <laughs> have, have you guys felt the pain? No. Oh yeah. You're so easy you're you're so easily rattled, Aaron, and, and you're just so calm all the time, Miranda. <laughs>
1: well, I know I'll have time to recover and uh, and the indexing, I mean, I just I just really haven't my portfolio's just really not down very much. So Mm.
0: Yeah, you well, you should have gone up 27% because you're an S&P 500 indexer, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I usually use the S&P 500, so.
0: Do you know, can, may I digress for a minute and tell you something, Miranda, that I just read before we got on the air? <laughs> um, sure. You're going to have to report, there, there's going to be a, a a question on their 1040 this year. It's going to be, have you received crypto? Yes. So you're going to have a lot of reporting to do because you do these little things where you get free crypto, right? From Coindesk? yep. yep. Did you read that already? Did you already know about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I and I've known for a while. Like, I mean, and I and I sold some of my Bitcoin earlier last year, and so I will have to pay long-term capital gains on that as well.
0: Yeah. Well, if you if you're like me and have just bought uh, crypto, then you don't have to. You have to. You, know, you you'll say no. You'll answer that question no. But if you have received it as you know as payment or anything like that, or if you sold it. You'll have to answer yes.
1: Yes. Receiving it as payment or receiving it as a reward counts as income. And then, um, yeah. So so the tax, and it's still a little bit interesting. Um, they still haven't really figured out how they're going to manage NFTs. So that'll be interesting as well because NFTs uh, are non-fungible, which means you can't use them as a medium of exchange. And so there are some folks that think that in the next couple of years, um, the IRS is going to come down on the side of them being taxed as collectibles. Um Rather than um, as uh, like the same way that we do stocks and stuff. So it'll be interesting Interesting. to see. But yeah, I I am I am my I would say my my accountant is preparing for the mess that will be my taxes. Yeah,
0: it's going to be a mess for you, I bet, because you've done a lot of that getting getting uh, crypto Um, payment.
1: so so actually so that's the interesting thing is uh I've received crypto as rewards for what I've done but I haven't rewards, been, yeah. yeah but I haven't been paid in crypto since 2011. Uh so the crypto that I received in 2011 with that cost basis of $4.11 oh my God. the cost basis is 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 as much like I mean uh, yeah like I I I am going to have to pay long term capital gains. But that's the nice thing. I've had it for more than a year. Uh, And so it'll be long term capital gains, it'll be at that favorable rate. Um, And so, you know, hopefully, it's not going to be too painful.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Well, well, let's do a podcast and go over your tax bill, though, just it'll be fun to do. When (laughs) when you when you pay those taxes, I want to know how much they were. I want to tell everybody. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> we've got some articles. Have you guys been collecting articles? I've got a whole bunch of them here because I've collected them since the middle of December. So I've got a whole bunch of articles I can read from. But le- okay, here's a good one though. Let me start this. This is a good one. Barron's, you know Barron's, they're 10 top stocks for the new year. Wonder what they are? Royal Dutch Shell. Remember how oil is going up? Um, Johnson & Johnson. The company is named after me. I wish. Huh. Um, IBM. Hertz, Amazon, Visa, Berkshire Hathaway, Nordstrom, AT&T, and General Motors. Any surprises there? Do you guys own any of these stocks?
2: Um, I have Berkshire and I have AT&T.
0: I have Amazon and Johnson & Johnson. I think that's all I own in this list. But I was, surprised, I was surprised to see AT&T in there. That's a hated stock by many people.
2: People believe it's going to uh, do well in the 5G world.
0: Yeah, well, they might. But, th- but the stock has been dead in the water for years. It pays a really uh, nice not, dividend. I'm not positive
2: though. about this, but I, I think... Am I wrong I think about the that? I think the company's in an okay financial situation, too. Oh,
0: no, they're in a great financial situation. Yeah. I'm just saying the stock hasn't done much. Let's see. Right now, it's, it's uh, about $27, $26.94. And over the last five years, it's down. Five years ago, this stock was... Forty-one. <laughs> so, so in the last five years, it has not done well. But maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Well, for Berkshire it
2: has been sideways for a year straight now. Has it really? And all of a sudden, in the past uh, month, for me, it shot up thirteen percent.
0: Well, well, you know, Apple. It it has one point two billion dollars worth of Apple, uh, and Apple's done very, very well. I don't know. They have obviously a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm not really that familiar with the with everything they own um anyway we'll see what happens Those, that, so that's that's my first article um how about this december 27th from the wall street journal here's the headline these food items are getting more costly in 2022. here they are let's see potatoes celery and other heavier vegetables will have higher price tags because of higher freight cost. wine beer and liquor oh no we're also hmm. getting more expensive that's kind of sad, makes me want to have a drink. Have you guys noticed more expensive prices at the grocery store?
2: Well, it's more expensive prices everywhere. And I've read numerous articles saying that uh, a lot of places are increasing their prices for both those reasons, that things are costing them more and their employees are costing them more and they're just gonna pass that on to the consumers.
0: Yeah, I have not noticed prices going up, but then I, not, I don't really do a lot of shopping. Well, I've noticed gas prices going up, but I hardly buy that either. I mean, I put about 10 miles on my car a week if that because I'm like Howard Hughes. I just sit here at my house and let my fingernails grow. <laughs> as long as you're not peeing in buckets in the corner, it's fine. <laughs> hey, you're not supposed to notice that. Okay, um, here's one. This is from December 28th. This is from Barron's. What will it take to kill this bull market? We'll find out soon. That's the headline. Here's what it says. It's an axiom of finance that a low cost, that low cost of money pumps up the value of assets. Cheap, abundant capital can justify all manner of wild and wonderful investments from electric vehicles to stationary bicycles with tablet computers attached to cryptocurrencies of no intrinsic value that can fluctuate 20% over a weekend. Next year, some of that process will begin to reverse. Printing less money may slow the process of pumping up prices but the impact is apt to be uneven. It may well affect the prices of securities first, then prices of goods and services, and the way down is likely to be less pleasant than the way up. Now, this is a reiteration of what we've been saying on this podcast for months. As interest rates go up, speculative assets drop. And we've warned you, you re- your listeners out there, that if you're in really speculative stuff like Peloton, stationary bicycles with tablet, tablet computers attached, electric vehicle investments that have no revenue, <laughs> no income yet, uh, if you're in these speculative things with very, very high or non-existent price-earnings ratios, you're going to get hurt. You, and I mean, you, you can watch them go down and maybe they'll come back up. I mean, they will come back up sooner or later if it's a decent business. Yeah, I was going to say, I
2: mean, if you got in them kind of cheap, I mean, don't get too scared, I think. Ten years down the road, you probably be okay.
0: Yeah, yes, yes, you will. And I didn't mean to sound too frightening, but you know, if you can avoid watching your portfolio go down forty percent in a year, that might be desirable. <laughs> I would think, you know, <laughs> um, or just
2: keep watching it when it gets low, buy buy some more.
0: Yep, you absolutely can. And and, and I have, I own. Um, we'll go into what we what we own later, but um, I I own one of those uh, PayPal. And uh, it it's, it really does have earnings. Actually, it's trading at about forty times earnings. But you know, a high PE stock, and it's gone down like hell. I mean, you know, I'm down twenty percent on it probably. But it's okay. I'll just buy more if it gets lower because I really like it. But I mean, companies like DocuSign. Let's see where that was last year. Three hundred. Now it's one hundred thirty-four dollars. Uh, we talked in our last podcast about Peloton, which is you know it's a, a shadow of its former self. Uh, Zoom. Let's look at Zoom real quick. And these are the types of stocks we we're talking about uh, that, that have very, very high price earnings ratios. Zoom is 166 right now. And a year ago, it was as high as, is this possible? Let me see. 430. Whoa. For, from 430 to 166. And even now, their price earnings ratio is 40. So these are the types of stocks that are going to suffer. And, there, and finally, we got an answer. To the age-old question what is bitcoin based on <laughs> because is it a store of value is it an inflation hedge as it turns out what it is is speculative nonsense
1: <laughs> what a surprise we're all you know, very because, surprised yeah you know, just
0: like these high these high p e stocks these speculative stocks bitcoin plunged as interest rates started going up because people are getting out of risk assets And Bitcoin is not like gold. It is not an inflation hedge. It is not a store of value. It is a speculative asset. And and that's proven by its recent price action. Agree, Miranda?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Cool. I just, yeah, I mean, it's been fun. I did a whole TikTok about how it's fun. But at the same time, it's, you know, I mean, it's like, you really do need to be careful, um, take some profits. Uh, and I've already made more and taken more profits than what I put in of my own money. And so for me, it's all been gravy at this point. But, um, but yeah, you really do need to be careful at this point, because it is very speculative.
0: Well, how about are you dumping it?
1: No. Are you getting um, out entirely? No. Gosh, no. Okay. Um, I, yeah, no. I mean, I have, like I said, I mean, I sold some earlier in 2021, and the amount that I sold ended, <laughs> ended up being so uh, my own money that I have used to put into crypto over the last, uh, since 2011, my own money, because I did buy some Bitcoin at some point in, you know, the mid. 2010s. But the amount of my own money that I have put into crypto amounts to about $3,000. Okay, so you're
0: playing with the house's money, you're saying?
1: Right. And I've already, I mean, I've already, I've already made more than 10 times that much. Um, just, just from taking some, just from selling some Bitcoin earlier this year, not this year, cause now we're in a new year, but just from selling Bitcoin in early 2021, I already made three times that. So yeah, at this point, anything I make is, is fine. And if I, and anything that, you know, and if it all goes to zero, I've still come out very far ahead. It doesn't matter to, to me personally. Okay, but let and- me ask
0: you this question. Now, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold your feet to the fire on this, but okay. <laughs> Bitcoin is now forty two thousand eight hundred and fifty six dollars as mm-hmm. I speak. Ethereum is three thousand two hundred and eighty six. Okay. If you had to make a decision today, are you a buyer or a seller at Bitcoin forty
1: two thousand eight hundred? Oh well. Uh, me? If I had to, if I had, if you told me I had to buy or sell, I'd right. probably just sell and take the rest of my profits because okay. I'm a boring person. <laughs> well, but you also, you, it's
0: what I'm hearing you say though, is that you don't have a lot of confidence that Bitcoin is going to go up in the near term.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think that it is. I mean, so far a lot of the things that you hear crypt- crypto bros talk about is like, oh, it's completely separated from the market. Oh, it's 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 uncorrelated. But if you take a look at when it's the stock market directly correlated. But when you take a look at when the stock market is down, yeah. crypto is also going down. Yes. So far they have remained correlated. And totally. so so unless something changes fundamentally about this relationship, unless something changes is fundamentally about how society at large views money and transactions um yeah and then the other thing you have to watch out for is the federal reserve is currently researching the idea of a digital dollar um Hey, what
2: you know whatever digital currency nancy pelosi invests in that's the (laughs) one
0: to go with right she invests in digital currencies but that's that's it's the joke
1: right but that's the other <laughs> thing right if people do decide they want to adopt a digital currency and countries around the world are introducing official like i mean china's already done it uh, the federal reserve is considering it um and we have an official currency that can work on the blockchain um like What need is there? Now I can see um, blockchains that have an underlying use case like uh, smart contracts make a lot of sense. I mean, one of the things that's very interesting to me is like the idea of using Ethereum, uh, the blockchain to get rid of the need for real estate escrow and taking forever because you can issue a deed as an NFT. So so it would be very easy to say, okay, now we're getting rid of escrow. The smart contract is automatically executed. Your deed is your N- is this NFT. It all happens very quickly, and it cuts out. It, it, I mean, and it would cut out weeks worth of work, and and money and fees. So, so you I don't see s- this
0: stuff going away totally,
1: <laughs> right? I mean, I can see some things like that. Um, you know, they're using NFTs and and um, smart contract blockchains for like supply chain management there are things like that. Uh, NFTs can be useful for provenance. Uh, There are a lot of like investment grade wines that issue NFTs for the physical asset, so that you can have like track the provenance and and see uh, the ownership and verify it. So there are things like that, that have a use case and could be useful. Um, But that's the underlying technology. And Who knows how it's going to evolve, right, as Web3 moves forward.
0: You know, as a transition away from digital currencies, um, I'm going to give you a story that involves Kim Kardashian, Floyd Mayweather, and others. But I'm not going to give it to you until right after this short break. We'll be right back. Okay, here's a story I promised you. From the Wall Street Journal on January 12th, which was yesterday, Kim Kardashian, Floyd Mayweather, Others sued over cryptocurrency promotion. Okay, that was your headline. Here's your little blurb. The, the lawsuit alleges Ethereum Max, apparently is some coin I've never heard of, is a speculative digital token created by a mysterious group of cryptocurrency developers. It says the celebrities told their millions of social media followers to buy this cryptocurrency only to sell theirs when the price was inflated. Now, this is now. Remember, this is not a conviction. This is a lawsuit. So they they may have their own stories to tell, but when I read that, it makes me hate <laughs> these people who do this. It's it's called pump and dump. You know, they use their celebrity status to get their their less well-heeled followers to buy something, and they sell it. And this again, what they're accused of, not what they're convicted of. Uh, so beware of listening to people like that. They don't care about you. They just care about themselves. So that's, that's my warning. Okay, so anyway, so let, let's use that to transition out of crypto. we has got a lot of other things to do. Okay, uh, uh, yesterday also, Bloomberg, U.S. inflation hits 39-year high of 7%. Set stage for Fed hike. That's the headline. A uh, little blurb, the consumer price index climbed 7% in 2021, the largest 12-month gain since June 1982, according to the Department of Labor. This widely followed inflation gauge rode, f- rose 0.5% from November. So just in December, it went 0.5%. Um, the the CPI increase was led by higher prices for shelter and used vehicles, food costs, and energy prices. So this is what's going to be the incentive for the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates this year, which they're expected to do. Uh, I think the probability is about 70%, the market says, uh, that they're going to start their raising of rates in March, which is two months from now. Think that's going to happen, Miranda?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would not be surprised to see it start happening, um, especially if inflation keeps up at the rate it's going.
0: And, you know, we we talked on our last podcast about inflation and we we both agreed. And first of all, let's acknowledge that we thought inflation was going to be transitory last year at this time. We were wrong about that. Uh, so maybe our opinion doesn't matter. But we kind, of ag- <laughs> we kind of agreed yesterday or the last time we did a podcast that inflation probably was going to get tamer. Uh, uh, toward the end of the year, yes. And Aaron, did you have that? Do you have that same opinion? Um,
2: yeah, I think so. And I think we both, we all said it. It all depends on on variants of COVID.
0: Yeah, but that's true. That's absolutely true. What do you guys? Let Let's stop and talk about COVID for a minute, even though it's not directly related. Um, because we're not medical people, we're money people. But do you think do you think the Omicron is the beginning of the end
1: for COVID? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, pandemics can last three to five years, and this is only year three, and it just—I think it just sort of depends. I I think Um, it keeps
0: coming back, but I think it's—it's going to become an endemic instead of a pandemic.
1: Yeah, and it's probably going to be something along the lines of like how we end up with the flu, eventually. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and I just had it, and and I had basically flu symptoms. I had a a mild fever, a little congestion. I just tested positive, I mean, I'm sorry, I just tested negative for the first time yesterday. So I just got over it and, and it wasn't really that bad. And you know, again, this I'm not going to say it's not that bad because the, obviously the symptoms can differ by whoever has it um, and I certainly wouldn't wish it on anybody. But you have to say in the end, though, I'm going on a cruise next week and I'm glad I had it because now I've got antibodies, you know, and it wasn't that bad. I t- took a couple of days off work, slept a lot and it's over. Again, not suggesting you go out and get Omicron, but I'm wondering if this is the way this thing is going to end with a fizzle, that everybody's going to end up getting it and then everyone's going to have immunity from it and then we're going to have it again next year like the flu. I kind of wonder if that's the way this thing is going to end, but I don't know. It's certainly going to help the market if this thing stops becoming the center of attention. You know what, what's kind of scary to me too is that China is not doing the let everybody get it well we're not doing that either on purpose but we're doing it because we don't you know i live in florida we're just not big mask wearers here and so me and most of my friends uh, i'm going to a party on sunday 15 people 10 have had COVID. i mean that's so my point is a lot of people are getting COVID here in florida at least and everywhere in the united states but china they're still doing the lockdown thing you know they get one case they shut down a city of 15 million people and I just don't see how that's going to work because this seems so contagious.
2: Yeah. And you can't keep doing that.
0: Yeah. And you know, and who, you know who suffers? Uh, obviously, the poor Chinese people do, but also we do because they can't load stuff onto, their, onto ships and send it here. I mean, you know, the whole economy gets crippled when China is, you know, when, when China catches a cold, the world sneezes. Have you guys done any? Now, it's been since mid-December since we all got together. Have you bought? Have you sold? Have you speculated? Have you invested?
1: Nope, just stay in the course. My regular automatic um, indexing things that go to my various accounts are just on their automatic thing, doing just going as usual. So, nope, nothing, nothing new for me. Nothing different happening. Just making those automatic um, transfers to my retirement, travel, um, and uh, emergency funds. So,
0: Miranda, if it were up to you. Our investment podcast would be one minute long.
1: It would be so boring (laughs) because I am a boring investor. Can you at least just
0: make stuff up? We can't see your portfolio. (laughs) Say you bought something.
2: Well, I've been a big proponent of those uh, charging stations for for, uh, battery cars. So I was telling everybody, oh, charge point, charge point. So I've lost a ton of money in that because obviously it's one of those speculative stocks that hasn't made any money yet. That's right. Although they're the largest company out there. They're actually putting in more charging stations than Tesla.
0: Wow, really? Um, and, yeah. and as you as you alluded to earlier, Aaron, this is something you obviously don't want to watch it go down, but you're going to hold on to it for the long term.
2: Yeah, I'm holding on to it. I mean, the only thing I think it can disrupt this would be uh, – solar cells becoming all of a sudden 90% efficient. You could just put one on your car and mm. you don't need a charging station anymore. I mean, it's the only thing that could really
0: disrupt this. I just read a big article about that. It, it, apparently, and Elon Musk actually was quoted in the article saying that this is just not a way that's ever going to work because there's just not enough service area on a car to get charged by solar panels. But you were saying if solar panels got super efficient, maybe. Right. right.
2: Um, they've come down. So another one, there's there's a couple of stages. Obviously, there's EVgo. This, it's the same as ChargePoint. There's Blink. And there's this other one called Volta. And um I kind of like what they're doing so I bought a, a, I bought some of them today actually. Oh you did? Wait, let me look it so up. So ChargePoint these guys are like, you know, kind of like in the commercial realm where they're trying to get fleets and stuff like that mm-hmm. and their um uh, Volta's got the opposite idea, which is the idea I thought was going to happen where anybody could have them put in their their parking lot. So uh Starbucks or McDonald's or uh, uh Whole Foods or anybody could put these uh charging stations in the parking lot. And the company and VoltA both benefit from the subscription of these. So, so you'll pay say, to
0: get your car charged while you're at Starbucks,
2: right? VoltA is basically selling the service to these companies, saying, "Hey, you know, when we put one of these things in your parking lot, people stay longer and they spend about an average of fifty bucks more in your area." And so they're trying to use it as a selling platform. And uh, so I was like, "Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking." So I bought a that's bunch a good of Volta idea for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. These, things are, these things are very speculative stocks. Like the Volta was as high as, what's this, uh, 15, 17 in the last year. Now it's yeah, six about, today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, charge point was as high as 45. Uh, now yeah. it is 15. 15 so yeah. if you're going to buy these stocks, well, if you liked it at 45, you're going to love it at 15, guys. Uh, right. But as long as you've got, uh, what's it called? Diamond hands? Is that what they call it, Miranda, when they hold on to stuff?
1: Diamond hands, hold all. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah hold all. that's right, hold on for dear life. So as long as you're gonna hold this stuff for long term, what, it might be a good time to accumulate it.
2: Yeah, I think hold on to it for a long time. And so like we were talking about solar cells being more efficient, so there is a material out there called carbon nanotubes that would actually help uh, in the energy sector a, a lot. And since the 70s, this thing has kind of been uh, an elusive material to make in, in high amounts. Um, but it's it's like a wonder material for energy, and one of the co- one of the companies out there that's it's in- increasing its output by quite a bit is this Huntsman Corp. And this has uh, its fingers are into everything from you know uh, creating clothing that could charge your phone just by interweaving this fa- this uh, nanotube structure in your clothes to uh, space exploration. So I grabbed some of them. i was gonna kinda... say
0: nanotube sounds like something your grandma made.
2: Well, it's, it's carbon. It's basically <laughs> converting carbon to these little, little, uh, structures of, of fine hair and, uh, you know, we have a carbon problem on this planet, so maybe we can capture a whole bunch of carbon and make a bunch of junk oh, out of carbon cool. nanotubes.
0: You know, by the way, though, Aaron, I have to say, because these are really speculative stocks, and somebody's going to be a Very. big winner in the charging points and blah, 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 you know, and EV batteries, you know, and all that sort of thing. But since it is so speculative, and since there are so many little players, none of whom are making money yet, is that a place where you might put money into an ARK fund? The um, What's her name? Kathy what? Um Uh Kathy Woods. Kathy woods fund and, and you know now see that that was the the biggest uh, she runs an etf of innovation innovative stocks exactly the kind that aaron's talking about uh and that has done it was yeah, as it looks- high as 150 last year the last february it's now 80 81 uh, and if you go farther than that it was even more it, it got as high as no that's about it 156 was the high a couple of years ago in 2021. Um, so, but to me, I would probably be a buyer of that uh, versus buying these individual stocks even though I'm an individual stock guy because there's so many of them and they're so speculative. Some of them are going to go out of business. So I'd probably be a, a, a buyer of something like that ARK Innovation ETF. ARKK. Yeah, you can find
2: one with a lower expense ratio because her expense ratios are kind of right, high. It, is it high? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I might be looking at an ETF for that sort of speculative bet uh, and, and and by the way i probably wouldn't be doing it now either i don't i don't think this whole thing about rising rates and falling uh, speculative stock prices has run its course i think we've got more to go here and even as we speak today well, where are we let's see the market is now the nasdaq's down 220 points one and a half percent so I, I i think we've got more to go with this uh, blowout in technology stocks now that's not all technology stocks apple's doing fine uh, Google's doing fine they're down they're down some, but they're not down like these other stocks. so but the stocks without uh, without earnings, without uh, you know a, a proven track record are going to suffer in the short term, maybe not in the long term. Okay, Miranda's done nothing. you bought was that all you bought Aaron?
2: Yeah, other than that. I mean everything's sideways because uh, it seems like investors are just moving their money from one sector to the other sector, so it just it, it drops on one end and it raises on the other end it's It's kind of weird.
0: It is weird. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we've been saying. I keep repeating that. We this, but we were we have been repeating this for months to get into the stocks that won't slump in in, ca- in the case of falling markets as much. And that would be uh, stocks with real earnings. Also, stocks that don't depend, or, or that have let's say an inelastic demand curve. Oil stocks have done very very well. Oil is doing very well during this recession, and I own Conoco Phillips, which I've owned for since 2009 uh on philip 66 which i've also owned since 2009 i recently sold an energy fund which sucked it was a vanguard energy fund that did not manage i managed to lose 14 percent having bought this in 2016 <laughs> I, and i sold it in december to, for a tax write-off um, and i put that money into chevron which is now up 12 percent since i bought it on the 15th of december so oil is going to do really, really well in this environment that we're in. Also, financial companies do better when interest rates are up. I own Citigroup. Yeah, you said
2: that a while back.
0: Yeah, and they're doing really yeah. well. Uh, I own Citigroup. I own Huntington Bank shares. I own J.P. Morgan, and I own Wells Fargo, all of which I've owned since 2000, well, 2008, 2010. So a long time. Um, also, my major purchase uh, is in the um, healthcare field. That's another field, you know, this is inelastic demand uh, because, you know, it doesn't matter how high prices go, you will buy the drugs to keep you alive. And so these are companies that will do well, especially if they have earnings, uh, that will do well in this environment. Uh, I own Johnson & Johnson. I own a Vanguard healthcare fund. Um, I own a company called ChemoCentrics, which is something I bought as a speculation at doubled price last year. And just the other day, though, I bought Balsh & Loam Healthcare. I got this from Jim Kramer on Mad Money. This is a Bausch & Lomb you've heard of, of course. Uh, But this is a company that's going to split into three different healthcare companies. I bought it yesterday. As a matter of fact, no, two days ago. I bought that for $27, and it's $27 now. So it hasn't done anything yet. So you see the stuff I'm in is oil. Um, I'm in banking and I'm in healthcare, and I wanted to add to my healthcare. I bought 1,000 shares of this stock for 27 bucks a share because I really think it's going to do well, and I really want to be in some more healthcare and less speculative stuff. Um, I own Boeing. I bought that. It's doing really well. I, I paid 229 It went all the way down to like 190 but now it's back to 225 but That's a long-term hold. Uh, I think that Boeing's going to do well. I think Bo- Boeing, could be a, Boeing could be a $400 stock. Uh, so let's see. I own a mining stock, which is not doing well. NVIDIA. Now, NVIDIA is a stock that's a real speculative stock, but it just crushes everybody else in its business. They, they're a chip maker. Uh, and I bought that stock for $49 in 2020, and it's now 268 But it was 330 not that long ago. So you can see what happens because that has a high PE too. So it's come down. And then PayPal. I mentioned that earlier. I own PayPal. That's a, a fintech stock. Uh, and I wanted to move from banking. Into fintech, but I want to get out of banking at the top, which has not occurred yet. And I want to get into more fintech as it goes down. Uh, and I paid two hundred and thirty bucks for PayPal. It's now one eighty four. So Stacy's not doing well on that. So if you want to see all of my stocks, and I would encourage you to do so, go to our show notes and you'll see a link there that says Stacy's stocks, and that'll take you to a Google Doc that shows you all of my stocks, how much I paid. Doesn't tell you how many shares I have because that's none of your none of your damn beeswax. But it'll tell you how much I paid and what the current price is.
2: Oh, That's pretty good. Yeah, I got into banks too because you told me to a while back. So good. I got into a. You making money? A, a regional bank. Yeah, I'm up nine percent on the on the regional bank ETF. Cool. Uh, ETF, and I bought Bank of America. It's up uh, almost nine percent. Awesome. And I went out and got. I, I saw this thing where Glass Klein, I don't know they bought, but they're heavily invested in Twenty Three and Me uh-huh. because they believe that. Uh, they're gonna be like a cornerstone for finding cancer or figuring out cancer treatments through all their uh, DNA's that they've been getting throughout the years from everybody.
0: That's an interesting speculation too. I don't like the company because I think you know, I'm afraid of privacy issues. But I think I but I, I may like the stock, though. <laughs> I, I personally do yeah, not want to have my DNA. It's really analyzed. low right
2: now. Yeah, and it's really low right now. So I figured, you know, if if these what guys actually How do much become the it? front runner to cancer treatment, then I wanna I wanna have them. How much is it? Um, twenty-three me is down to like five dollars right now. Is it really fifty-four? Yeah,
0: I don't know if I can even find that. Yeah, I'm not finding it. And it was high of eighteen. But anyway, that you see, see how you are, Aaron. You're really good at that. You buy stocks that are really they're they're, I guess, uh, disruptors. They're they're going to change the world, and I think that's a great way to invest. I think it's really smart. Doesn't look smart right now. Maybe you know when the stuff's going down like it is. But in the long term, this is what's going to make you rich. You know, it really will, if you you get the right companies and you hold on to them.
2: That's the hope. That's the hope. You keep buying all these little $5 stocks and maybe one of them will do something.
0: Yeah. Make sure you can afford it, though, and realize how speculative it is. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Do we have time for a question? Let's do a question really quick. Do do you have one, Miranda? Miranda?
1: We do. We have one from Sam. Sam says, how long should I keep documents, tax, stock, real estate purchases, records, etc., of my deceased parents? All proceeds from their wills have been transferred for years now. I am the only child and received everything. There has, there has not been, nor are there now any claims against any of their s- estate. Thank you for your thoughts.
0: This is a pretty easy one. Uh, generally speaking, you want to keep things three years after a person's death. Uh, Now, if you have a property that you inherited, you want to keep the records pertaining to that property at least three years after you dispose of that property. Um, But with the exception of things like birth certificates or death certificates, marriage certificates, divorce decrees, blah, 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 uh, but, but financial documents, you should keep those indefinitely, by the way, but financial documents keep for three years after a person's death or three years after the filing of any estate tax return. So basically three years, that's what you should be doing. That that coincide with your knowledge of the subject, Miranda?
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, The only the only difference is, is like, I mean, just consider, um, like, with taxes, you know, the statute of limitation is is generally three years unless they find fraud, and then they can go back seven years.
0: I used to say that when I would do that news story, I'd say three years unless there's fraud, in which case they can go back until dinosaurs ruled the earth.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean, it, it sounds like things are pretty wrapped up, so, and you've got all of the assets transferred and they're all yours now, so I think that three-year rule is probably good, right?
0: Yeah, and you, you know another thing I'd throw in here, too? I, I was the executor of my parents' estate, and I still have everything. You know why? Because it's digitized, doesn't take up any space, really, you know, so I've you know I've, I've got my tax records from 2001. now when this stuff was paper i didn't do that but now it's just ones and o's you know and i I just keep it all anyway i don't care how long it sits there so you know if you're digitizing stuff it's less of a concern yeah it's very true okay Uh, we are out of time we're way over as a matter of fact today Uh, but you know what guys when we're out of time we're never out of topic dig a little deeper you're going to find links to lots more in our show notes, including all my stocks. Just click on Stacy Stocks. And remember, if your goal is to make more, it's to spend less, it's to retire rich, well, your online home is MoneyTalksNews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M A R Q U I T.com. If you got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at hello at MoneyTalksNews.com. That's hello. MoneyTalksNews.com And one last thing If you appreciate what we do Then do something for us Subscribe to our podcast Takes you two seconds Really helps us So if you like us Show us And subscribe And
1: tell your friends To subscribe too
0: I'm Stacy Johnson And I'm
1: Miranda Marquette
0: And I'm Speculative Freeman (laughs) You are Speculative Freeman Thanks for hanging out With us guys And we will see you Next time